Recording on a Thursday is weird. It's very weird. I, for, I totally forgot that we were doing this until like two o'clock, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, you you IM'd me, and I was still at home on my couch, like <laughs> eating eggs. And you're like, "We have to do the podcast today." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. What have you been up to this week? Just more of the same. You know, when you're in the middle of a client project like this, it, you run out of uh, like interesting things to do. You know, like at the beginning, you'll be working on something that's like new to you. But now I'm just in the middle of the same old. Like we've, we've discussed everything interesting that I'm doing on this project. Yeah, it's weird. I'm not doing any very little iOS work right now. Still in liftoff Ruby, and I've been screwing around with auto tools for like the past, I don't know how long. I just kind of blacked out, honestly. <laughs> auto tools? Yeah. What's an auto tool? I, I've been like way deep in neckbeard territory all week, man. It's been really scary, honestly. I'm a little afraid for myself. Like, I've been writing man pages. I spent four days this week writing man pages, and then I spent like half of yesterday writing a blog post about writing man pages. And now you're on your podcast talking about your <laughs> blog post about writing man pages. Right. Yeah. The format's pretty interesting. Man pages? By interesting, I mean whack. Did but... you look into it? Yeah. I didn't understand what any of like the prefix characters meant. Yeah. Um, but every time I saw it, it made me think of um, like, <laughs> it puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like every line starts with it. Yeah, it's really weird. Tell me more. I mean, basically, the way man pages are written is it's tags. Every every line that's a command starts with period, which is bizarre. So essentially, every line starts with period, and tags can come after that period. So when you're talking about like dot it, and it's always cap. The first letter, they're all two letters, and the first letter is always capital, and the second letter is always lowercase. Dot it is like an item in a list. So you do okay. dot it. It's a, I say tag. It's actually, I mean, technically, it's a macro. So dot it is an item in a list, and then you pass in the header for that item. So like the title of that item, and then you can do a line break, and you can write text without a dot preceding any of these lines you can write text and that's the body of that item so you can create tables like that you can create columns like that there's like basically paragraph tags line breaks oh line break is the only one dot br is the only one that doesn't start with a freaking capital letter for some reason at least the only one that i ever ran into but um and that's a line break just like in um yeah html yeah exactly like in html um, dot pp is a new paragraph oh man there's mul- it's so confusing this entire thing is just so confusing because there's multiple man page formats they're all horribly named um there's groff and trough and then i'm using mandoc which is like a subset of trough and it was explained to me as being it's like oh we write in mandoc because it's the semantic way to write man pages. <laughs> and I'm looking at this like text, like someone just like their cat walked on the keyboard. And I'm like, this shit's semantic. <laughs> like, what the hell about this is semantic? <laughs> but the idea is that like Mandoc 
Okay, from my limited understanding, Mandoc doesn't worry itself at all about about display. It's only worried about like its markup. It's like HTML markup. But it's the most semantic, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so what what like .pp ends up doing is it it's a new paragraph. Semantically, it means a new paragraph. But what it when you actually view the man page, the rendered man page, it just has a line break there. Like it's just a a way to add it. Uh, an empty line it's it's all crazy <laughs> and then there's oh. like different sections for man pages so you have like section one through nine i think and you're supposed to put man pages in different sections based on what they're covering so like i i know three of them one like section one is like tools command line tools when you look up the man page for like LS, for example, that's in the first section. Okay, so when I see like LS parenthesis one exactly. parenthesis, that's what that means. Exactly. the The number in parentheses tells you what section that man page is in, because you can actually have the same a man page with the same name in multiple sections. So one is it, it makes it'll make sense in a second. So like one is for tools, five is for file formats. For example, like Mutt has a config file and they have a man page on it. So you can type man muttrc and pull up the man page for the muttrc file format. And that's in the fifth, that's muttrc5, right? Because it's inside the fifth section because it's a file format. Oh, okay. And then there's like this miscellaneous section. Section seven is for like miscellaneous stuff. Um, like, so I'm writing man pages for liftoff. So one of the things I was thinking about doing is having a liftoff one and a liftoff seven. And the seven is like a tutorial. You could like put a tutorial in the seventh section, but I ended up, I ended up just moving stuff back into liftoff one and not Mm -hmm. doing that just because it was confusing. I've learned so freaking much about this stuff this week. It's like crazy. Uh, this is actually cool. You can do like. You could do like man and then you pass the section you want to look in. So if you do man space five and then space tab, it'll list all of the man pages inside the fifth section. Cool. Do you know what I mean? About- I, 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 yeah. 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 I understand. Yeah. So you want to tell us why you're writing a man page for liftoff? Sure. So I've been. I keep saying I've been working on liftoff and the main thing that I've been working on is like pushing it towards a 1.0 release. And so I'm going to release it tomorrow as of this recording. So I'll release it Friday. By the time this comes out, it'll been out for a few days. What does it do? What does liftoff do now for those who don't know? The old version of liftoff, basically what it did was we designed it to uh, configure existing Xcode projects the way we wanted them configured. Stuff like warning levels, indentation settings. Like indentation was a big one, honestly, because we, uh, you work on client projects. Like I was working on my last client pro- or one of my last client projects, and you know they used two spaces for indentation, and I use four spaces for indentation. So setting that at the project level means. I don't have to change my settings. So indentation level, setting a bunch of warnings, treating warnings as errors on release schemes, turning on static analysis, um, adding a default git ignore and git attributes file, and uh, adding a build phase shell script that turns to-dos and fix-me's into warnings so that 
you, they don't get lost in your code. Um, and we've kind of gone over a little bit of this before. But, like, the problem was, like, we used the hell out of this thing, right? Like, every project that I've done since since we kind of got this thing up and running, um, I've run Liftoff on it. But after running Liftoff, I always felt like there was still a bunch more that I had to do. Stuff that Liftoff couldn't do. Not not the way we were treating it. Um the the workflow the old workflow the way you were supposed to use it before was you create a new Xcode project you go through Xcode's setup tutorial and then you leave Xcode jump into the terminal type lift off and then jump back into Xcode and then from there like I always like every single project that I've started in the past year probably has one commit probably the second maybe third commit because I think Xcode would create one and then I'd create a commit for the changes that I made in liftoff. Then there would be a reorganized repo commit where I just essentially deleted everything that I didn't care about, rearranged the directory structure the way I cared about, relinked everything back into Xcode. Um, recently, I've been going as far as like creating the directory structure ahead of time and adding um, .gitkeep files, which is not a special file at all it's just a convention flag to git won't so git won't commit folders that are empty right you can't right. commit directories into git so if you add a git keep into a directory git will see it and so you can commit empty repot directories to git that way also if you have a directory linked into xcode as a group and they're linked together so that Xcode knows that that group points to that directory. And this drives me absolutely freaking crazy. If you delete the last file in that group, in the group, Xcode will delete the directory off the disk. But like keep the group? Keep the group. That's insane. And keep it pointed at the same place. So that's how you get a bunch of these merge conflicts inside your PBX proj is that kind of crap that Xcode does because then you re-add, maybe you delete the group. So one person deletes the group and re-adds it by just dragging the folder in, which is the sanest way to kind of recreate that directory. And now the, all of a sudden the UUIDs are different between those two groups, but they're pointing at the same place. So you get these kind of weird, you know what I mean? Like weird right. crap can happen there or you recreate the thing off on the disc and then bring up, file back in and so then now like all that stuff and anytime xcode starts screwing around with the disc when i didn't tell it to is like bad news in my opinion so creating directory structure creating all these git keep files inside each directory both as a way for me to pre-organize my repository and also as a way to get x because once those git keep files are in there xcode can't delete that directory because it's not empty um so Xcode now can't delete the directory. Git will commit the directory. So um, all that stuff's safe. Doing all that stuff, linking, uh, creating a prefix file for my testing bundles. I always have a separate pre-configured header for my test bundles because I want to link in uh, Specta, Expecta, OCMock, any of the testing frameworks I want. I want them pulled into the into the PCH, not imported into every single one of my specs. You know what I mean? That just kind of makes the most sense. And so the way the pattern I've been using is I've been linking that 
prefix into the test bundle and then importing the apps prefix at the top of that prefix. You know what I mean? So that my tests get everything I'm including in the apps prefix plus, you know, whatever test frameworks I'm, I'm adding. Got it. Um, that's basically, that's basically the gist of it. So the, but the important bit now is that it, it no longer requires an Xcode project to work. What? It will make an Xcode project for you. Well, yeah. So, so that's, so that's what I used to spend so much time doing, right? Is all that setup that I was just describing. And that literally, I mean, it's not, it, it maybe takes like an hour tops to kind of get all that stuff set up. If you create like some kind of a script to, to chew through directories on disk and create git keep files, then you can speed that process up. But it, it's, it's just kind of nonsense menial stuff that I don't want to have to do every single day. The thing that the kind of goal for liftoff 1.0 was to not have to do that anymore was to be able to type liftoff in an empty directory and have it create that directory structure and create an Xcode project and put templates in the right place and link the full link, like link directories on disk to the groups in the Xcode project to set all this stuff up, like actually set it up the way I need for it to be set up from the get go. Like we could have created a Xcode project template. Like people have done that too, create their own Xcode project templates, but those are a pain in the ass to update. They're a pain in the ass to write. They're a bigger pain in the ass to like manage over time. Like if our, if our needs change, it's harder to um, keep that thing up to date. They're, not flexible at all, right? Like if we had clients or a client that needed stuff set up differently, we couldn't just jump in and change the template for that one thing. So Xcode project templates didn't really work for us. So we wanted to do it with liftoff. And so now with liftoff 1.0, that's how it works. You go into an empty directory, you type liftoff, you never touch Xcode. Go into an empty directory, type liftoff, it will create the directory structure, add all the gatekeep files, create an Xcode project, link in the groups the right way, put template files in place. Um, it even adds in the project name. You know, pref- it, it adds the prefix that you that you specify to the app delegate. You know, adds the project name to the info.plist, Does all that kind of stuff. Uh, puts those files in place. Links them all into Xcode puts the app target and the unit test target together, brings in um, the XE asset catalog stuff, sets all that stuff up for you, then does all of the configuration stuff that Liftoff used to do. So it still sets up projects exactly the same way. And then it creates uh, an initial git commit with all that stuff inside it. So now the setup process for a new app is literally just like lift off and then answer four questions. At least two of those can be easily predefined, um, which I can get to in a second, but it asks for your, the project name, company name, the author name and the prefix. And then it just creates the whole thing. It automatically uppercases the prefix in case you screw that up and creates the whole thing on disc. And then you have an app that's sitting there ready to be built. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> no, it's super awesome. Yeah. It's going to save us so much time. Yeah. Even if it just did that, even if it just 
created Xcode projects the exact same way that we wanted them to be set up every single time, that would be enough for us, right? Like I would be really excited about that because that's how I set up my projects. And so that, that would be more than enough for me. But the cool thing is like someone else actually opened an issue on liftoff asking for configuration options. Like, like let me give me a way to, to have configuration options like in a file somewhere. And I said, I basically was like, that seems like it's going to add overhead to liftoff. And I don't want to add overhead and like having to create a file to define these settings. Um, for people that don't need them, mainly us, right? I didn't want to add overhead to the way we use liftoff. Um, and so we had like command line flags and stuff to like turn on and off specific. Actually, you couldn't ever turn anything off, but you could turn specific features on individually by passing flags in. And it was just super inflexible. And so I opened an issue back up to talk about it um, a few months ago, maybe, um, talking about trying to create a liftoff RC. And someone actually just opened an issue. Giovanni Lodi? So this guy, Giovanni, opened up a pull request. It was just like, hey, here's a first stab at creating a liftoff RC. And so we worked with him on it. We got it to a point where it worked really well. So we're using like a YAML format because it's really easy to write for configuration files. You don't like we could have done this in JSON, but JSON is a pain in the ass. And you have to deal with like, is it valid JSON and quotes and commas and stuff that just seems silly for a config file. So we used YAML and it works on like a three stage thing. So there's a whole bunch of different keys that you can set inside the liftoff RC and each key essentially works on a three stage fallback. So first it looks inside the local directory, wherever you're running liftoff, it looks at the, the dot lift liftoff RC in that folder right if it can't find the key in that one then it looks at tilde slash dot liftoff rc right dot liftoff rc in your home folder in your dot files it looks at that one if it can't find the key in that one it drops back to um the default liftoff rc which we're we write like so the configuration for liftoff the default configuration for liftoff is also a liftoff rc file it's parsed the same way it's written the same way it's just included inside the bundle with with the rest of the code and that plus this directory stuff stuff makes it insanely flexible because we put the directory structure inside the liftoff rc as well so if you don't want your directory structure is set up like we set up our directories that's fine there's no it's just a dictionary it's literally just like you can see the way we did it in liftoff our in, in in the defaults but the liftoff code knows nothing about the directory structure right it's just reading this dictionary out of this config file and then rendering that into a directory structure e- including like placement of the template files and all that stuff those those are just strings inside this dictionary and so you can just put them wherever you want you even immediately the first thing i when i had you tested the first thing that you yelled at me about was that the implementation file was above the header file yep inside xcode it was like oh okay i can fix that and all i had to do is flip them in the um 
they were just backwards in the liftoff RC, right? So I just changed it in the defaults, and all of a sudden now every project created, it's flipped and fixed. That just makes liftoff so much more than it was before and so much more flexible than it was before. And because of this, like, three-stage lookup thing, you can set, like, I have a, I have a, like, a, in my development stuff, I have, like, a ThoughtBot directory. I have a .liftoffRC in there that's defining um, company as ThoughtBot so that any project I create under the ThoughtBot name, when Liftoff asks me all those questions, it's defaulting to ThoughtBot for the company name. And then inside my personal one, I have company set to my name. That was like unintentional. That wasn't like a feature that I wanted or that I was thinking about. And then I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> you can use it <laughs> like this. That's pretty awesome. You know? Yeah. That's the best kind of feature. It just falls into place. Yeah. And I should note that like it, you're describing this liftoff RC and it sounds like a little daunting, like that it's like dictionaries. Oh, but it, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now and it could not be more simple no it, that's why again that's why we wanted to use yaml because yaml doesn't look like it's not anyone can write this you you can you can look at this and you can go like oh okay i i get it you know and in the in the we're so we'll have a man page for the liftoff rc as well so you can type man liftoff rc and inside the man page for the liftoff rc every key is documented what type it expects you know what the default value is what that what setting that key does um you there's notes on directory structure there's notes on the warnings um because the warnings even that right you can customize the warnings that are set because i just moved them out of the code and into the config file so it just reads an array a yaml array of the keys for for the warnings, which anyone can find these things in Xcode, if you just look at the warnings under the build settings, and you click on one, and inside the the quick help thing, it tells you what the key, you know, GCC underscore, you know, whatever, or f- Clang underscore whatever. You can just put those in here, and it'll set those warnings for you, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm super excited for this to come out. You want to talk a little bit about distribution this time around? Sure. So previously we we distributed using Ruby gems and Liftoff was a gem, but there's really no reason for it to be a gem, right? Right. I think like I've done this rant on here before, or we've done this rant about like distributing stuff via Ruby gems that doesn't have to be a Ruby gem. Specifically, things like like you know I've said that about CocoaPods. Um, there's XC Pretty, which is awesome, but is distributed as a gem for some reason. There's a bunch of stuff that's distributed via ruby gems that just does not need to be distributed via ruby gems the main problem for me there is that i don't want the language the like the language that you write your tool in is an implementation detail and by distributing your tool via your language's package management system you're letting that implementation detail out like why should i care what language your tool is in to know how to install it Right. Yeah. That's that more than anything else. That's my that's my problem with there's other problems, too. Right. Like if you did gem install liftoff and you're using a Ruby version manager, a pa- uh, version manager, right? RBN, RVM or Cheruby, whatever the hell. When you change Ruby versions, you all of a sudden lose liftoff. And that sucks. That's really stupid that that happens. Um, 
especially since liftoff has nothing to do with Ruby. Not really. Like I said, that's just an implementation detail that is written in Ruby. It just happens to be written in Ruby, but it's not for Ruby. I totally understand distributing stuff like Rails or um, gems that you use for development in Ruby, right? Like when I'm writing Liftoff, I'm using Xcode Proj and Highline. Those are two Ruby dependencies. It absolutely makes sense for Highline and Xcode Proj to be distributed via Ruby gems because I bring them into my Ruby project and work with them. You know what I mean? So that was another kind of thing that we wanted to do for Liftoff 1.0 is to move Liftoff off of RubyGems and put it onto Homebrew. Um, we have two other tools right now distributed via Homebrew, um, GitSH, which is a shell for Git, and RCM, which is a um, .files manager thing. And so we actually have a ThoughtBot slash formula homebrew tap so you can add different homebrew taps where almost the exact same thing as the main homebrew formula repository except for that anyone can have these things and all you do is you create a github repo with a special configuration or it's not a special configuration but a specific you know you have to have like a formula folder in it i think and then you call it homebrew dash foo so like if i have a home actually i do have one i have homebrew dash um, get that get update one word because I have a script called get update that I wrote and I'm distributing it via homebrew basically to myself. But so I can do then brew tap G Fontano slash get update. And now I have that get update formula available to me. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So, um, so we already have the homebrew stuff set up. A bunch of people already have the tap installed. It's easy to install the tap. So we're going to distribute through our homebrew tap and it'll be available via homebrew, not Ruby gems. And if you do have it, you should probably uninstall the Ruby gems version because uh, the homebrew version should take precedence, but uh, it's, there just could be confusion at some point and it's work, not worth it. Right. I'm super impressed with all your work on this. Dude. It's been like a month in the making, maybe six uh, weeks, three or four it hasn't actually been that 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 long, but it's been like nonstop for the most part, um, like seven days a week. You know what I mean? A lot of this stuff, especially all the Xcode stuff. So we're using Xcode Proj, which is actually part of CocoaPods. It's the same way that CocoaPods creates its Pods project, and the Xcode workspace adds the conf- the xc config files into your project and sets the compiler flags it needs to set and does all that cool stuff that it does it does that with xcode proj so that's kind of a nice and we were already using xcode proj for liftoff to do the configuration but one of the kind of nice benefits about this is that if xcode breaks because the project file is an undocumented format there's always that risk that like xcode will break liftoff in that Liftoff won't be able to create new projects. They'd have to change crazy stuff for Liftoff to not be able to create new projects. Like I just want to make that clear that that they would have to break backwards compatibility with Xcode 5.0. Literally, mm. like that's what they would have to do to make Liftoff not be able to create projects. They'd have to seriously change things. But even if they did do that, it's not just us. You know what I mean? It's not just us. It, it's 
like we'd have the whole Cocoa Pods team and the whole Cocoa Pods community also trying to fix the same problem. So like Marco Armit talks about this a bunch, like why he uses MySQL instead of something else. Right. And the re the main reason that he uses it is because that's what everyone else uses. So if it breaks, there's a bunch of people trying to fix it all at once instead of just, just him. Like if we just wrote our own thing that dealt with the Xcode project file, that would be very, very scary. Right. Cause if yeah. something breaks, then it's just like us sitting around trying to fix it. But when there's a much bigger established community trying to fix it, then it's a little safer. And that aside, it's just very, very unlikely that so, so the, unlikely that the project file is going to change so drastically that it'll break. I mean, it would have to like you'd have to it would have to break to the point where you can close a project today, and then they update something tomorrow, and now you can't open the project that you had open yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, right. for just all intents and purposes, there's no chance of them of them making those kind of changes. The kind of changes that would be required to keep this from working. So. I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm super excited to finally have it out because it's just been, like I said, like just nonstop for me on this stuff for weeks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of exhausting. Yeah, let's get it opened up and let some other people submit some pull requests, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's all like the thing is, it's been open. Like it's all done in open source. <laughs> you know? No, like, sure. Because, and, and that's one of the that's kind of one of the weird things about this announcement is that like if you're there's some people that are actually watching the repo. So if you're watching the repo, you know all of this already because I, you've seen these discussions going on in the pull requests and you've seen these discussions happening in the in the issues, you know, and you've seen these commits going by. So there are some people that this is not going to be news for, but I also think there's a bunch of people that liftoff just wasn't interesting as it was. Right. And I totally agree. Like now I agree now, right. Seeing liftoff 1.0, I'm looking at like the old version of liftoff going like, well, I guess that was something, you know what I mean? Like it was cool and it was a cool concept, but like it was just not had all these, had all these problems that were, the reasons that we're making it, you know, pushing it, it was, forward and fixing it. It was opinionated to the way we do things, but very rigid. Right. Yeah. And, and again, it, it, it only – it didn't solve all the problems that we were trying to solve with it. Right. The main, the main point of liftoff was like we're tired of doing all this stuff every time. And so it got some of that out of the way. It, it let me not think about setting warnings, for example. And it got me to not worry – not think about what – What's the git ignore look like? What you know? What's the, what git ignore have we agreed on? What git ignore should I use for this? Um, stuff like that. It got me to not have to think about that kind of crap. But you know, what I mean, the whole yeah. directory thing is the big one. That's the killer feature for me. Yeah. Is the not the not just the directory structure, but the fact that it's linked to the groups in Xcode, so that when you right click a default, group in Xcode yeah. and add a file. It's not just going to go into like the root of the right. of, of the directory structure. It's right. going to go into that directory, and everything or, is nicely or organized. Or you don't have to do the the nonsense like right click a group, add a file. Oh crap! This group isn't hooked up to a directory. Create the you know navigate to where the directory is supposed to be. Create the directory, and then say to create it there. And then you go, oh shit, that doesn't hook the direct the parent group up to that directory. All that does is set the path for the file. So now I got to set the path for the directory. 
right? And now the f- path to the file is broken because the path to the file is based on the parent group. And so now you have to relink that file. But it's just like, why? <laughs> like, I was, working with, I was working with Joe Ferris, our CTO, right? And I was explaining to him, like, I was having some problems when I was first mocking up the directory structure stuff. Um, some problems in Xcode Proj. Uh, I, I was having problems getting this exact thing to work, right? The paths and relative paths and all that stuff. And he was like, I open up Xcode and I'm like, here's what's happening. He goes, well, where are these files? Because it had like test.txt. I was like, oh, those don't exist. Because I was just creating an Xcode project and creating directories. And I, I was like, he's like, well, where's that folder on disk? I was like, oh, there is no folder on disk. It's like, well, where is it? That file is somewhere. I was like, no, that file doesn't exist. That's a file reference. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a file reference and that's a group. He's like, uh, so these have nothing to do with what's on disk? It's like, no, nothing <laughs> at all. It's a total coincidence that they look like folders and files because they're not folders and files. And he's just like, he's just like, why, why the hell would you want that? It's like, I don't know. But it explain. I mean, it's, it's, it's my bit. One of my big pet peeves with the objective C community is that you go onto GitHub and I look at a project and I'm like, Oh Yeah. I want to look at the source, you know, I want to look through this project on GitHub. And then I click into their folder, the, you know, the the target folder. And it's just one directory full of every freaking file inside the entire project. And it's like, I don't want to dig through all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so much more information you can codify inside a directory structure than just having a bunch of files inside a directory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't have to open Xcode half the time if the directories are set up the right way. It's also great as a, it captures all of our sort of process, you know, right there mm-hmm. in, in the repo. Like, we can see, like, what is the Git ignore we're using right now? Mm-hmm. You want to add something new to it? Open a pull request. We can have a conversation about, like, mm-hmm. and it's like you capture every discussion about how do we set up our projects, mm-hmm. like, as a company. I think that's great. Yeah. It's, I mean, Suspenders does the same thing for Rails. Yeah. The yeah. Rails guys and like con- conceptually, they're almost identical tools for right. completely separate projects and, and workflows. Right. Yeah. The only difference is that suspenders will pull in the gems that are commonly used, and we mm-hmm. haven't gone as far as saying like we're going to give you a pod file. Here's the common pods. Yeah. Because that's a little beyond the scope. Well, honestly, I think it was. I'm not sure that it is anymore. Like just talking about like future stuff. The one thing that I don't like. And that I've been, I have to stop myself from working on this for 1.0 because I don't think it's needed for 1.0. I think that where it's at right now is fine. I'm at the point where I have to be like project generation and and all this stuff and the lift off RC and distributing via homebrew. That's a really good 1.0. I need to stop there. I need to get it out. But like stuff that I want to do in the future, the first one is customizing the templates, right? So we have a template git ignore. We have a template git attributes. We have template app delegate stuff, info p lists, prefixes, main.m. Uh, and what else? I, th- I think there's a template for the XC assets thing. So we have some groups predefined because the XC assets, and this is kind of awesome, is that the asset catalog is just a directory, right? It's just a directory. And then inside that directory, you have more directories and inside those directories you have json 
files. So we have a template directory structure for the XC asset stuff. And so right now, it's hard-coded to look for those inside its templates directory, right? Which is inside kind of the app bundle, so to speak, the Ruby version of the app bundle. The first thing that I want to do, like 1.1, is opening up those templates to be able to be customized the exact same way that you can t- customize the liftoff RC. I want to be able to have like a dot liftoff slash templates directory. And I want you to be able to add your own templates in there. And then the second you can add your own templates in there and liftoff knows how to do this lookup process, then you can also define those templates inside your directory structure. Right, so you can put your templates in your in the place you want them. I also think that that immediately opens up the door in my mind. That immediately opens up the door to doing CocoaPod stuff because if you can specify your own pod file at a template level, then we pull your pod file or we pull our pod file, or you just turn the whole thing off. Right inside inside the liftoff. RC, you just say CocoaPods, false. No, I don't, I don't want to use it, and that's fine. But if by default, we're going to look for a pod file, and we're going to throw that pod file in the directory, and we're going to run pod install, and you're not even going to have to do that. You know, That comes very, very quickly after the template stuff gets added. So the, the argument against doing the CocoaPods stuff before was that Liftoff was like a configuration tool right? It was about configuring Xcode projects in a specific way. I think it's moved beyond that. It still does work as a configuration tool. If, I should probably note that, right? That like if you run liftoff inside a directory with an Xcode project, it will just configure that existing Xcode project. It won't do anything more than it used to do. But now, because we've added all this generation stuff, I think it goes beyond just being a a configuration tool and more to what it was originally intended to be, which is getting you up and off the ground. That's the whole name liftoff, right? Like we wanted to just be able to be like, bam, project, start, start working day one, like no time setting up, you know. I think I mentioned that on my last project, I, I literally blocked off time where I was like, well, I only I want to be the only dev on this project. It was going to be me and Tony. And I was like, I want to be the only dev on this project for like, give me two or three days to be the only dev on this project so I can make sure that everything's set up properly so that when someone else comes in, I don't have to wor- we don't have to worry about conflicts and stuff like that. This gets rid of all that. You know, this automates that all that setup time so that two, 10, however many people could start working on this thing from scratch without there having to be these, you know, huge repo changes and potential conflicts from that and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that CocoaPods is particularly out of scope anymore, you know? Yeah. That sounds like a good compromise to me. Yeah. And you can turn it off. Yeah. That's the key. You can, you can turn all this stuff off. So that's lift off. (laughs) Yeah. You built one hell of a tool here. Oh, Yeah, I'm hoping that people like it. <laughs> it's That'd be nice, right? like, ugh. <laughs> just, just the Coco community as a whole is just completely unimpressed. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> Are you aware of any other tools that do what Liftoff does now? I know a couple cropped up. No. They're kind of like emulated. Oh, there's... Cra- Pre-1.0 Liftoff. There's Crafter. Crafter was 
uh, he he says in his readme is inspired by liftoff. I think his Git stuff is actually just our Git stuff. He just copied, he just took that file, <laughs> so it's got our copyright up at the top, which is fine. Whatever, I don't care. Um, but Crafter Crafter does some of the. It, it was like pre one point liftoff plus some stuff. Like he has a whole DSL for configuring CocoaPods and stuff and some other stuff like that. So. It, but I don't think I still don't think it does project generation. I don't think anything does project generation. In fact, let me look real quick. It may, maybe the only thing that out there that's like making projects is CocoaPods itself. Like you said, like the Pods project. Right. There's been so there was some talk on the Xcode Proj issues tracker about project generation and about doing this kind of stuff. Um, so crafter, it sets up a DSL file for you, like a crafter.rb, dot crafter.rb, and allows you to specify pods and all this stuff at the command line. But as far as I know, yeah, it still just configures existing Xcode projects. It can do more than liftoff 1.0 could do, but it does add overhead that I didn't want to add. So whatever. Sorry, what was the question? Uh, uh, there was talk on the Xcode proj issue tracker about doing this kind of stuff, and someone had talked about building it out as a CocoaPods plugin. I think I even ranted about this back when we were talking about CocoaPods a few weeks ago. Um, and again, it was still like a DSL thing. Like My thing is, again, this whole... Ruby as an implementation detail. Like one of the re- I we I could have done a Ruby DSL for creating Xcode projects. Like we could have done that, but the reality of it is that that doesn't make sense for people. Why should Objective C developers have to learn Ruby just to create a config file so that they can set up their Xcode projects? They're not going to do it, right? It's just not going to happen. It doesn't make sense. That's why we went with YAML is because it's dead freaking simple. Like, again, once you look at this config file, it's literally just text, colon, more text. You know, author, colon, space, Gordon, space, Fonto. That's how you set the author key, you know, as Gordon Fonto. It's not complicated. And he has a whole, even in even in Crafter, like, he has a whole bunch of tricks that you'd have to know Ruby. Like, do you know, for example, what percent %w parentheses String, space, string, space, string, and parentheses does? No idea. <laughs> no. Why would you? Why would you know that? Like, why would you have to know that? And I'm not making fun of this project. Like, I think what he – like, he took what we had done with Liftoff and he said, that's a great idea, but it doesn't totally work for me. Here's some ways that I think I can make it better. And he went and did his thing, and it's working for him, and that's awesome. But I, I don't get having to learn Ruby to configure an Xcode project. I really don't. Um, so yeah, sorry. You'd ask a question. I think, uh, I don't think there's anything else doing this. There's nothing that I know of. I think if there was something else that was doing this, I think we'd be using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's stuff like this is why I love ThoughtBot. Like if you worked at any other yeah. consultancy and working five days a week, you never have the time to do something like this. Right. Like identify a real problem. And right. Fix it. Right. And be cheered on the entire way. Yeah. Yeah, it's I've been. Uh, it's, it's been great getting code reviews from the Ruby folks, and especially getting into all this man page stuff, like talking to Mike Burns and George Brocklehurst over in 
Stockholm about like man page formats and like learning all that stuff. And they're doing code reviews on my man page, you know what I mean? Which is like, it's been a hell of an experience writing, you know, getting it up and running and yeah. So I just need to push it. Do it. Yeah, I will. We think it's pretty great. Yeah. And also honestly, I mean, it is open source, right? So I want feedback on it. I want issues, open pull requests. Like, you know, if you want to take a stab at like, for example, the, template thing like i'm gonna be burned out on this for a little while so <laughs> if that sounds awesome to you and you know ruby you could just write that <laughs> and open up a pull request you know but seriously though like issues and and all that stuff like any kind of feedback on this is like really 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 appreciated because what i want from liftoff at this point is for it to be something that is opinionated enough for us right that it still sets stuff up the way we want it but I want it, I really do want it to be flexible enough for everybody else to use. I want it to be flexible enough that, you know, my friends that work at other consulting agencies or that work at product companies, that they can take this and they can set up their lift off RC quickly and easily the way that their companies require. And now they can get all the benefits that we get out of this thing. It's super hippy dippy about me to, you know what I mean? But that, like, that really, I, Pre 1.0 liftoff was great because it helped me a lot. Like liftoff 1.0 is still going to help me a lot, but my main goal is for it to be useful to other people outside of the company. You know? Yeah. So I think it will be. I have high hopes. Yeah. I do too. I guess stop talking about this. All right. Well, thanks for the rundown. (laughs) Let's let's pack this in. All right. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash build phase slash 30. And you can contact us on Twitter or app.net at buildphase or email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com. Also, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Awesome. Do those. Those are great. All right. All right. See you later. Later. Later.